0: Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. So would you welcome to the stage of the Starkville Church of God this morning, our overseer, Dr. Durwood Perkins. Well, let's give the Lord a bigger hand. My wife sends her greetings to you. She's sorry she couldn't come, but uh, her favorite uncle passed away and a very sad situation. Don't go into all the details, but uh, the Lord is with her, giving her strength. She got home this morning at about 2 o'clock in South Carolina, and so uh, I said, well, I'm going to go solo. I had committed to be here and so thankful that it was able to work out for me to get to be with you today, and uh, you know, the Lord just knows what he's doing when he has things. They started singing a little bit earlier today, and I about started shouting because they started talking about the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When they started singing, the Lord is the healer, and I know that many of you in this place have prayed for me. And I went through cancer surgery back in December. They took a large portion of my stomach out. It was a very rare cancer, and just one of those weird situations that we all go through. And haven't we all been through some things? I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning about in my message But last Monday, I got a phone call from the oncologist. He said, Durwood, he said, I'm extremely happy with you. He said, Your numbers have gone from over 2,200 down to 44. You're cancer free. Can I tell you, he's the (laughs) healer? Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Ty's into my message. If you'll stand with me, I know you've been standing a lot, but in order, in honor of the word of God, I want you to turn to Psalm 124. And so glad to see Ty Avernier with us today, a brother uh, that he and I have shared together from Lee. Good to see you today. I mentioned a subject this morning entitled, If it had not been for the Lord on my side. Let's read this, Psalm 124. If it had not been for the Lord who is on our side, let Israel now say If it had not been for the Lord who is on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When the wrath was kindled against us, then waters would have overwhelmed us. The streams would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house today. We thank you for your blood that covers us. We thank you for the privilege of your word to be speaking to us and through us through praise and worship and in hand claps of praise and in offerings given unto you. But now, Lord, let your word speak to us. Let your word minister to us. Lord, let them hear you and not me. Let them see you and not me. Hide me behind the cross, O Lord, that you may be prevalent in their hearts and in their lives. That when we leave here today, we will not be the same. And we reclaim it now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Pastor, so honored to be with you today. You and Jamie, I appreciate your heart and the work of the Lord and uh, for letting me go to a Mississippi State game, even though I'm a Kentucky boy. Thank you very much. I still can't hear after that last cowbell that rang in my (laughs) ear, but I still don't have a cowbell yet. Maybe one of these days we'll get one. Kentucky, we still don't know what a football is. We're still trying to invent that and basketball didn't go too well this year either. So y'all pray for us blue bloods. We have issues, but I think we ought to give Uh, Pastor and Jamie a great hand for the work they're doing here at Starwood. Can you just do that? We appreciate you and the work that you're doing Blessed to be on the state council. You know a lot of people say man my pastor got elected to state council That's because of you because you're such a great church and this state recognizes this church and recognizes his leadership And so we're glad to have him with us. Well, I did some research I found out that when this church started Lincoln Memorial dedication just started (laughs) When this church started, insulin was used for the first time for diabetes. The first Reader's Digest was published. The first aircraft carrier was commissioned. And gas was 11 cents a gallon. $100 in 1922 translated to $1,654 now. Wouldn't that be awesome to have someone put that in your hands today? The thing that bothered me a little bit is the life expectancy for men was 58. And women 61 and I've outlived my time already hallelujah isn't that great <laughs> it's an honor to be here for pastor appreciation day or coming up hopefully sometime you're doing that with your pastor you know as an overseer I have to say that I'm sad I had I'm sad to say that many churches don't honor their pastors so homecoming pastor appreciation day any special day I get to be up here is an honorable day for the man of God Thank you. But when I think of homecomings, I think of Psalm 124. Psalm 124 is kind of an interesting time that we feel the excitement and the anticipation of what happens in our lives. Psalm 124 is one of the song of ascents. One of the songs that they were singing as they were leaving where they were and on their way to Jerusalem. When they would begin worshiping together. The pilgrims did not have their iPads in, their, in the front of their face. They didn't have the ear pods and the air pods and every other kind of pods in their ear. Have you ever been to a restaurant lately, and you watch families? A family of four will sit there, and they're not talking. They're doing this the whole time. Gene and I were, were at a restaurant the other day, and we we're sitting there looking. There's a man and a wife sitting across from each one. All of them, both of them had their laptops up. I said, they're emailing each other. That's kind of what happens when Psalm 124, we're seeing that now they're on their journey, they're on their way, they're, they're encouraging one another as they're climbing the hills. You can imagine the journey that's before them as they're saying, Listen, it's time to go there and to worship the Lord. And but what we find in Psalm 124 is we hear these words of encouragement, and in the old black spirits say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. You start hearing them words of encouragement to one another. If there's one thing we need in the world today, is this thing called encouragement. Somehow we just want to beat people down rather than lift people up. My grandson, he's now seven. He's about three years of age. And my wife and I had the privilege go to go to Georgia. I have two daughters. One's planning, and her husband and two daughters are planning a church in San Diego, California. And then my other daughter's in ministry in Athens, Georgia. We thank God for FaceTime. But I had the opportunity to take my grandson to one of those jumps a lot places. And so we went to this one slide. It was huge. Just My grandson, Andy, just looked at it. And I said, Andy, you want to go up there? He said, yes, Papa. I want to go up there. Well, he's in Georgia, so it's Paul. <laughs> yes, Pawpaw. He said, I want to go up there. And I said, come on, Andy, we can go up there. And he started climbing, and my gracious, he said, <gasps> Paw. I'm behind, come on Andy, you can do it Come on son, you can do it I'm grabbing on the backside, come on Andy, you can do it Boy, you can do it We climb all the way up to the top We get to where we are and I look down He looks at me with those big eyes And I say, come on Andy, you can do it son You can do it And boy, I jump down and next thing I here comes Andy Rolling behind me He said, you want to go again? Uh-huh, so we get behind Come on Andy, you can do it son You can do it, come on Andy, you can do it We get up to the top, he doesn't wait for me Boom! There he goes and all right We get down there and said, you want to go again, Danny? He said, yeah. I'm going, okay. He said, come on, Paul, Paul, you can do it. Come on, Paul. (laughs) We have to get to this place where we are encouraging one another. And so now we find as they're walking on their way to Jerusalem, they start singing and they're recalling their history. They're praising the Lord of the dangerous travels and the journeys from which they have come. And now, particularly in Psalm, we find that they're singing to one another, hearing these words... I can picture the processional party as they're walking, and they've come from different parts of countrysides, just as you have. There were common shepherds that had been toiling and being with their sheep all year long and trying to get them to where they're obliging, but we know how sheep are, and here they are coming, worshiping the Lord. And then there's us farmers they had plowed and planted all year long to get some bounty for their family, and somehow now they're in the journey. We find some of those that are the businessmen, the merchants, and they have begging and bartered all year long, trying to save them for this journey to get to Jerusalem. So from different circumstances, different social economic areas, from different educational and professional achievements from east to west, north and south, all of them start coming on their way to Jerusalem, and they were doing one thing, and that was to worship Him. I know that it's homecoming, and I know that there's food waiting for us out there, but I know we've come here for one reason, that's to lift up our hands and to worship Almighty God. That was the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the God heals us, sets free, and delivers us. I hear them as they're going on their road, and perhaps someone in the back starts singing Psalm 121, verse 1. You can hear them in the background, and they start singing, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, from which cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I hear someone else on the other side start singing verse 5 and 6 of Psalm 121, when they start saying, The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade, upon your right hand, and the sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Oh, you can imagine, oh, if it had not been, for the Lord on my side where would we be? But all of a sudden it gets quiet, and I hear someone start singing Psalm 124. And you hear the words, If it had not been for the Lord who is on our side, when? Say, when? when? When men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When the wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The streams would have gone over our soul, and then the swollen waters would have swallowed us alive, if you will. And the question comes to me, Why? Why in such a day when they're going and having a homecoming day on their way to Jerusalem to worship, on their way to get to the place where God would do great things for them and they could remember the great stories, why would they bring up bad memories? Why would they bring up the trials and the tribulations? Well, you have to understand, the text does not say that men would not rise up against us. It does not say that waters would not try to overwhelm us. It does not say that the raging waters would not try to wash us away. we know they will I've discovered in my 41 years of ministry that uh, there's nothing pleasant about enemies trying to swallow you alive There's nothing good about rushing waters. Listen, I pastored in Louisiana for eight years and was overseer for four years I'm gonna tell you I can tell you something about the rushing waters. Yeah By the way, you eat the food down there. it make you talk funny <laughs> My question is why even bother? Why bother to remember those bad, bitter experiences? Well, I think I have the answer. Don't you love it when somebody has an answer for a question like that? I think the answer is any recollection of our history that includes only the good things is an incomplete history. If you only remember that when times were, where there was peace in the home and peace on the job and peace at school, you're missing something. If all you remember is when money was good and the bills were paid, does Mr. Bill come to your house like he does to mine? When all you can remember is all the bills were paid and you lived in a nice house, you just don't have the full story. If all you remember were the times where you felt happy and and healthy and holy, you just don't have it all. You see, the text tells us that every one of us will go through troubles at some time. It's a guarantee. And if you've not been there, live a little bit longer. I guarantee you they will start to come. Most of us can testify that though we've had some good times, Boy, we've had some difficult times too. Some of us know what it is when the enemies come against us, loneliness and depression. Some of us, no one knows that the only people that understood was the God we cried to and the the pillow that we cried tears on to understand the troubles and the trials that we are going through. Or maybe you've been betrayed by someone you trusted. They told you they had your back, but instead they stabbed you in the back. Some of you know the troubles when the boss calls you in and says, listen, I need to meet you in my office. You go, man, I've been working hard. I'm going to get that raise. I'm going to get that promotion. But instead, you walked away with a pink slip. Some of you know about the death of the loss of a loved one. When difficulties come and trials hit you and the grief overflows you and you didn't know how you were going to make it and you didn't know who to turn to and fighting fighting and arguing got to the place where you just lost that love for one another. It seems like the raging waters were running over you. Now listen to me, I'm not asking you to dig up and dwell up your troubles, and I'm not asking you that you need to drag the details of your heartache and of your pain, but if we forget what we've gone through, we'll forget that He's the one that brought us through. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we forget that God has been the God of our weary years. He's been the God of our silent tears. And so I don't know what burden you've walked in here with today, and I don't know what sorrow that you're walking through, and I know the pain and the anguish that you're walking through, but I know the one who knows, and He's the one it gives you the strength to get you through when you didn't know how you were going to get through. Yeah. If it had not been for the Lord. There's three points that I have in this message and I want to, they're very easy for you to remember, but I'll be honest with you, I do not like the first point. Well, then why are you going to give it to us? Because it's the truth. Here's the first one. The first point is this. There is a risk to the people of God. There is a risk, say risk, there's a risk to the people of God. The precise historical events are unclear. It's hard to pinpoint what was happening in Israel's history when Psalm 124 was written, but the threat is nonetheless very real. And so the Psalm reminds us that there is an opposition, there's a risk, there's a threat to God's people and enemies of, of God's people will never far away. It's clear that they will bring a vicious blow against you and they'll rise up against God's people. And so the worst is, if it had not been for the Lord, When? When the enemies come against us. So it describes not the difficulties, but it describes what it would be like if God were not our helper. That if God were not our helper, these things would happen. That we'd be swallowed alive and the floods would come. So there's three things that come against us. There's three examples of enemy attacks and the first is being swallowed alive. When we look at this passage of Scripture and other areas where it talks about being swallowed, it gives us the picture of the Leviathan or a great sea monster down Louisiana, South Mississippi. You understand that when they clamp down, they can't lift up. And once they clamp down, you're not getting loose. They start the twisting and the turning and the difficulties get you. So it tells us that there is no way of escape. And that's the enemy of the devil that comes against us. He knows where you are and he knows what he's trying to do to you. And once he grabs a hold of you, you're not getting through. It's the picture of saying we have all these issues and things that we want to go through and do. And somehow God wants us to do the great things, but there's this enemy that comes and tries to swallow us alive. And once he's grabbed a hold of you, you're not getting through. He says, well, there's one that swallows us alive. The next one is that of the flood waters, the Middle Eastern water courses in Jerusalem and the areas we know that the water would come, the shallow areas, but when, when the rivers would come and the rain would come, much like we've had in the past, we think it just goes in and immediately swallows them alive. Down in Louisiana, 2016 and 17, the floodwaters came in. It came in so fast you couldn't hardly get away from it, and so the flash flood destroyed them. And it's the way life is. At one minute, everything's great and sunshiny, and next thing you know, the floodwaters come in and wipes you out. There was water above all the houses, and many of you did relief work down there, and we did a lot of relief work there. And then we had just this past week when this tornado that came through, two of our churches were hit with water damage. It comes in so fast, you just can't get away from it. That's what this picture is. They come in so quick that you cannot escape. One minute, your life is great. One minute, everything is awesome and wonderful, but the next minute, all of a sudden, the floodwaters crab over you. Maybe sometime, if I don't mess this message up, Pastor, let me come back again, have another message that I'm working on right now, but I understand what this is. 2020 was not a good year for our family. On July the 11th, my son-in-law that's pastoring the church out in California, his kids and and Bud, his dad is 58 years of age and they're doing everything they can to grow that church and and God's blessed them. They started a month before COVID, but they had 200 at Christmas. I'm telling you, God's doing great things. But all of a sudden on July the 11th, my Son's dad was going from working at the church, said, son, I don't feel very good, was driving his truck and pulled over and said, I'm not feeling good at all, and walked across to the where there was a blood center and dropped dead with a massive heart attack at 58. We did his funeral. Fifteen days later, my dad all of a sudden goes into the hospital, and we think he's going to be okay, difficulty's coming. For 20 days, I had to leave where I was in, in Louisiana, I had to drive up there, and for 20 days, watch my dad die. 20 days, go through the grueling, horrible, painful things that my dad was going through. My sister and I taking 12-hour shifts and watching my dad go through that. And then two months later, my other son-in-law, the ones that live in Athens, Georgia, his dad, 58 years of age, comes down with cancer and dies within three months. Can I tell you that floodwaters will come over you? That there will be times that everything looks great and wonderful. And back home in Kentucky, we used to call it hunky-dory. You know what that means. Everything is wonderful. But the next thing you know, the water comes in and destroys your life and tries to wipe you out. It's the image of trying to say, listen, I'm not only going to swallow you alive and not let you out, but I'm going to destroy your life and everything around you. The other risk that comes to us is this risk that there's an image of a bird being trapped in the snare those people that trap birds, they know what they're doing. If a bird gets caught, it's not getting out. And so no doubt every one of us know about those situations. A snare is a device that secretly, silently tries to capture something. It'll it'll be some kind that will that will tempt you. It'll be some kind of other issues of life. That, that thing is smells pretty, looks good, is attractive. And you're going to get into that place and wonder, how am I going to get out? Well, the intention of the fowler is now to get that bird. And sometimes they'll use it and say, hey, look what we have here. Look how beautiful it is. Other times they're going to sell it and get rid of it other times you're going to kill it and eat it i was in mississippi my first job out of lee and we were in natchez mississippi and i learned to trap coons anybody been coon i found out how mean coons can be in a heartbeat <laughs> and i also knew what we had to do to trap those coons You see, a fowler, a snare, a trapper understands what they must do to get that in. You see, listen, the devil's not not interested in capturing you to make you a slave. He's interested in capturing capturing you to keep you from doing what you've been called to do. He doesn't care how many times you come to church. He doesn't really care if you pay your tithes. He doesn't really care if you show up every Sunday morning that's here. That does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian? Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But it's more than that. It's leaving where you are and leaving your pew and doing ministry that's out there in the world. You see, the devil understands and he knows that if I can capture this brother, if I can capture this sister, if I can just hold them and say, yeah, they, they, they say they think they're a Christian, but I've got them. They're not getting away from me. See, there's this trap inside of you and it It stops your movement. You get about two steps forward, maybe two steps back, maybe to the side. He said, you've got a little bit of freedom. You have no freedom when you're captured. There is a risk to the people of God. It's a vivid picture of how Satan wants to come and destroy you. But I have words, if it had not been for the Lord who is on my side, I'd have been swaddled alive and stayed there. If it had not been for the Lord who is on my side when my family's going through, my, listen, y'all know what it's like as a pastor. You go and I laid hands and I've prayed for, prayed for people. I've watched backs be healed by God. I'm talking about crooked backs and crutches fall and stand up and walk out when the doctor said we can't do surgery. I've prayed for people and watched cancer pass away. I've prayed for people and seen miracles in their lives. I prayed for families and watched families come back together. And here I am with my hands laid on my daddy praying, and he doesn't get healed. And you hear. Now, who do you think you are? See, there's a risk to the people of God. You may understand what I'm saying out there. Well, now that I've thoroughly destroyed your thoughts today (laughs) and let you know about the realities of the Lord, of how he can bring you through and the realities of life, let's get to some good stuff. Y'all ready to get some good stuff? There is a risk to the people of God, but here's the second thing, and that is that the Lord rescues his people. So rather than being swallowed alive and being his prey, the Lord has not given up. And rather than being swept away by the flood waters and the torrential waters, we have been saved. And rather than being trapped and caught, the Lord has broken the snare and He's enabled us to escape. You see, the bird can't free itself and nor could the people of Israel when they're singing 124. They had found themselves in bondage in their history. They were looking back on their past and now they're knowing that troubles have come and the risks have come. But now they start saying something's happened. We can celebrate because the Lord God Almighty has rescued us and has brought us through. Despite the hazards and despite the walks of faith, the Psalm mentions these are not the focus of the passage. He doesn't want them to dwell on the issues of the bad things of life. Yes, they acknowledge the dangers. You might as well acknowledge them. These people that go around and say, It's not true, it's not true, it's not. I, it is true. <laughs> I walked in that room. The same place where I had in 2019, where I had taken family members when I pastored in, in, in Baton Rouge, and had walked with these family members, and would go in and sit down in the oncologist's room and be there with them and with, my, with this family member, only to hear the oncologist tell them, "I'm sorry, but it's real. You have cancer. It's real." And now years later, after pastoring there, I had to walk into the same building, Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center, and go in and sit down in a chair to hear the doctor come to me and say, you have a rare cancer. So rare that they said it's nothing until they did the test and said, yeah, you got it. What do you do on a day like that? Oh, I could have said it's not true, it's not true, it's not true, but the numbers showed me they were true, and my body was telling me it was true. You all with me? Yes. You just have to acknowledge that sometimes we do go through stuff. Yes, we go through it, but it does not negate the fact that God is still God. And I come out and said, listen, I understand what's happening. The hazard is not the focus, but the helper is the focus. I looked at that doctor and I said, thank you very much for the words that you shared me, but you're not overwhelming me and you're not flooding me with things that can't get a hold of me. I just know what happens. I said, doctor, I said, I'm going to see God do something in my life and you're going to see God do something. I got it from that hospital room. I started walking out, said, Lord, if it had not been for you on my side, I wouldn't be where I am today. And if it had not been for you on my side, I wouldn't be where I'm going. I just kept on walking out in faith oh yes I know what the doctor said and yes I know what the words say yes I know what the body my body's telling me but I still know a God that if it had not been for the Lord on my side where would I be I tell you I would be I would have already been dead but hallelujah God's already given me the victory and the peace and the power if it had not been for the Lord so the psalm offers this testimony this is what happened When we're walking through in Jerusalem, the people are heading to Jerusalem, are telling the stories. You see, a testimony is only one man telling about the mess he was in and how God got him out of the mess. That's what I love about Psalm 40. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He drew me up from a desolate pit and the Maori bog, and he put my feet, and he made my steps secure. You see, the church has lost its testimony. See, my statement is this, when, when, when things are at their worst, God is at his best. I'll let that sink in a little bit. When things are at their worst, God is at their best. Church, we need to start testifying again. That's right. My home church, we had testimony services. you got to be careful. You never know what they're going to say. <laughs> These days, you got to vet them. One Sunday night, church, our home church was about the same size as this church, and My pastor was preaching behind the pulpit, and this guy comes walking down the middle aisle. Just drunk as he could be, you could smell him a mile before he got there. He's walking down the aisle, he gets right here to the front. My pastor's up there, and all of a sudden, he reaches in the pocket, and he pulls out a 38. Points it at my pastor, and says, I'm going to kill you. Something's told me to kill you. My pastor had been born blind, was healed when he was 12 years of age, and he's a meek and mild guy, never raised his voice, and he just stood behind the pulpit, and he's saying, no, sir, you're you're not going to kill me. He said, go sit on that pew. Now, you can imagine we had everybody's attention. My pastor said, go sit on that pew. And all of a sudden, Henry, everybody knew him, was sitting there, and he walks over, sits on the pew. While he's sitting here, my dad and a couple of the gentlemen, you know, we're, we're not that smart, but we're not dumb either. <laughs> they took the gun from him. My dad gets on one side, another man in church gets on the other side, where this precious lady's sitting. And, and here he is, sitting here the whole time, while my pastor's preaching. I'm sitting over here, look watching. Well, so was everybody else. No one knew what the pastor was saying. They were, my pastor just kept preaching the word. Can I tell you, the word transforms people. While my pastor is preaching, I look over here, and I see this happening. He's leaning against just this. And my dad's going, get back up. You know, he leaned over the other person. And all of a sudden, I, I saw Henry sit up. And the pastor kept on preaching. I see Henry like this. pastor keeps on preaching. About ten minutes, this is exactly what happened. Ten minutes after the pastor's preaching, this guy came in so drunk he couldn't walk. Ten minutes, all of a sudden he gets up and starts rushing towards the pulpit. Well my dad and the other guy about tackled him. And he said, I can't take it, I can't take it anymore. I gotta get rid of this stuff. Said, I wanna be saved, I wanna be saved. You see, I saw a drunk man come in so drunk he couldn't walk, and he walked out straight underneath the power of God. It's time to start testifying and testifying of what God can do. I don't know what you've come in here with today, and I don't know the struggles where you are, but I serve a God that has the power to take a drunk and make him saved. Come on, somebody. We need to tell the testimony of what God's done. Share, share, share. We've lost our testimony. When things are at their worst, God is at their best. Those times whenever we were down and out, those times when we were up and we were hurting, those times when he lifted us up, those times when we were friendless and he became a friend that's closer than a brother, those times when we were heartbroken and God put us everything back together, the joy was gone and the songs were gone. And that night in the dark deepness night when my dad was dying, I still had a testimony. I still knew, God, you may be taking now, but he's rejoicing in heaven. I know where he is and I'm going to see my daddy again. We just have to testify sometimes of the goodness of God. That's so what I love about verse 6, blessed be the Lord who has not given us prey to their teeth. I have to praise the Lord because when the enemy waters and the fowlers could have devoured me, when they could have come against me, they could have destroyed me, they could have taken all of us out, all of my hopes and all of our dreams could have been totally gone. But God did not give up on us. In verse eight thirty one, Romans 8, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So when you look at your word in verse 7, notice it says something interesting. It says, that, it says that, that, that we have escaped as a bird from the snare of the father. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. The New King James Version puts it this way. The snare is broken. Tell your neighbor, the snare is broken. We're all portrayed as this wayward bird and he sees us where we have been caught in this trap and, and this trap and we can't get out. And maybe, maybe you're here and you strayed away from the Lord, and maybe you're not where you really ought to be. Come on, let's, let's be real. We know sometimes where we really are. We like to fake it till we make it. Come in our Sunday, go to meet and clothes, have on our wonderful smiles and stuff, but the Lord knows what you did last night. Can you tell I pastored a long time? Last church we pastored, we got up to about a thousand. Believe me, I saw all kinds of stuff coming in. You know how it is when you get caught by the enemy? I shouldn't have said that. I tell people I'm going to write two books. The first book is things I wish I could say, but I can't. Part two is the things I said and wish I hadn't. <laughs> I wish I hadn't have said that last night. I wish I hadn't have gone there. I wish I'd have partaken in that part. I I wish my integrity wouldn't have been lost and my character would have been lost because I went there. And, and I know what's right. I know what we should be doing. But for some reason, we just let ourselves get trapped in there. And we, we let ourselves get swallowed alive in the midst of all of our lives. And now, But the good news is someone came along and paid the penalty for you to get you out of there. And all those things that you have been through, the Lord says, I'm going to make you justified just as if it had never happened. Somebody needs to praise God for that right there because we're not where we could be. We're not where we ought to be. But we are where we should be because Jesus Christ came and saved us i'm just letting you know that the snare is broken and even though you may have fallen down even though difficulties could have come to your life thanks be to god he did not leave you in your mess and he gets you out of the mess and he sets you free because the snare is broken but what's interesting to me is that word snare the pitfall or stronghold that in hebrew means to be trapped with a noose you know what a noose does, you put her in, the tighter you pull, the tighter it gets. It's exactly what Satan has. He's going to feed you some rope. And you're going to think you're great, and all of a sudden, there you go. Oh, yeah, you'll start going a little bit deeper, a little bit further, a little bit closer, and all of a sudden, he's going to, boom, going to grab you. Two steps forward, yank you right back. And you find yourself in this trap where you just can't seem to get through And when you look back on your life Yes, you look like you've been through some tough times and some difficult times and things coming against you And when life is trapped upside down, you have to look back at those times and Say, devil you thought you had me but you're not keeping because the stairs been broken Somebody in this place this morning needs to hear what this pastor's saying to you right now I see you I see it in the spirit that you're walking every and then you get yanked right back And you may have come in here beat down and battered and say I just can't get there anymore And the devil keeps pulling you back the great Great news I have for you is the snare is broken. God Almighty has already come to take care of it, and he can set you free. The devil thought that he could put a hold on you and take you down, mess up your life and keep you in prison and make you fail God. But I tell you this, he's rescued you. The snare is broken. It's time to look back and say, listen, if it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? One of my favorite scriptures of Psalm 91, "He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." And it says the shadow and he says, "And surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler." I'm saying about it earlier, but there's just something that starts taking place when we start being under the shadow of the Almighty. Yes, there's a risk, and yes, there's difficulties, and yes, there's trials that come to us, and yes, the issues come, the floodwaters try to swallow us alive, but there's just something called the blood of Jesus. You see, it's the blood of Jesus that covers you. When the enemy tries to destroy you, all you have to say, I've been covered. Oh, when the enemy tries to pull you down, oh, I'm covered. When the enemy tries to take you where you should not be going, oh, I'm already covered. That's what God does for you. Listen, when you want to go right, and and the Lord is saying, no, you need to go left, and the devil's trying to pull you, you no, you stand up and say, no, I'm covered. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. It's time to start telling the devil, you get away from me, get out of here. You don't belong with me because I'm free. I've been set free by the power and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time the devil tries to take you, I'm covered. Every time he tries to destroy you, I'm covered. Every time he makes you go through heartache and pain, I'm covered. When the doctor said I had cancer, I kept walking out, I'm covered. I'm covered. Lord, if you take me through cancer, I'm still covered. I'm gonna be with you in glory but Lord I'm still covered I'm covered by the blood of Jesus he is still the Redeemer he is still the healer he is still the one that sets us free he is the God that rescues you there's just something about being covered there's just something about the Lord rescuing you I was in my dad and both my grandfathers were preachers one preached pastored North Cleveland With an eighth grade education, they said, You're not educated enough to be our pastor. You know how the snobs get. I do have a PhD degree. The Lord's given me that opportunity. It just stands for post hole digger. (laughs) Ministry, Ty, I've dug a lot of holes, I can tell you. And I've had to shovel a lot of mess. But my dad was a state highway, in the state highway department, he was third man down. So I was going to be like my dad, I was going to be a civil engineer. So I went to the University of Kentucky for two years in civil engineering. I lived three miles from there. Might as well go there. One of the best engineering schools that we have in the United States. And so that's where I was going to go. But then God started dealing with me. I had a work for you to do. Yeah, I know. I want to make good money and pay good tithes. <laughs> I have a work for you to do. I went, I went to fasting and, and praying and, and said, God, I, I, I I can't take it. I'm getting good grades, making good stuff. I was working for an engineering firm. I'd been, a, I'd been a surveyor. I had been a draftsman for the school board. And so it's a lot of different things that I had an opportunity to be a part of. And the Lord just started saying, well, I've got something different for you to do. And I'm going, yeah, make good money and pay good tithes. So I, you know, I went on this fast, and at 9 o'clock on March the 27th, 1981, I walked in my bedroom at 9 o'clock at night. We had a little 1,100-square-foot 1, home. I could stand by my door, touch my mom and dad's door, and the wall's paper thin. Y'all been in those houses? When you walk, you hear everything going around. You don't even dare whisper. <laughs> walked in my room at 9 o'clock that night and started praying. Lord, if, if you want me to be a janitor, I'll be the best janitor the church of my God's ever seen. I won't preach. I was already leading my youth. At 16 years of age, my church allowed me to be part of ministry. Now, why they did this, I don't know, but they let me drive a church bus. I'm talking about the big one, to do nursing home ministry. At 16, I looked at my dad and said, what were you thinking? (laughs) We knew you were mature for your age. No, what were you thinking, a 16-year-old? I was already doing those kinds of things. And then I came with um, Moses syndrome. See, if you would have known me then, I didn't talk hardly. I was dating my wife. And her friends would say, you sure you want to marry him? He don't talk. Now my wife says, I don't shut up. I'm glad she's not here today. I don't need that. Only amen I'd probably get today. <laughs> Man, I did everything. Lord, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a speaker. Lord, you, you, you can't use me. I'm not tall, dark, and handsome. I don't have that super-duper whooper-whopper hairdo. You know how back then they'd preach and... The Elvis guys, when they'd preach. Oh. I had the preaching voice down. I mean, after all, both my grandfathers were preachers. I had a drug problem growing up. My parents drug me to church every time the doors were open. <laughs> and my sister and my cousin, all we knew how to do was play church. That so picnic table out back, and we had jump ropes. And then my sister and my cousin, they'd start singing. I'd, I'd sit down in a chair, and I'd shout with them. Well, I wanted them to shout when I preached. I'd get up on the picnic table. I had it all ready down. I knew it was time to start preaching. I knew how it went in the old time days. You didn't preach until you got into a rhythm. When you got into the rhythm, you knew God started moving. When the juggler vein started sticking out. And when you got red in the face, I would do my Ray Hughes impression. And the Lord said... It come for the offering, and I do my TL impression. It's time for the offering. Turn the monitors up until my ears bleed and get a cup of coffee. Well, I knew how to do all of that. I mean, I was so good. We had an evangelistic crusade that when. we'd go from my backyard to my aunt's backyard, that was only a block away, but bless God, we had it going. And I found myself in that, in that room, my bedroom, in that, in that, in that, in that time praying and saying, Lord, I, I can't do this. I, I, I'm not tall enough. I'm not, I'm not talented enough. I play the sax, and you can't play a saxophone and lead worship at the same time. Plus, they don't want me to sing. My sister sounds like Sandy Patty. I sound like a rusty bucket. When I sing, my, my wife goes, do you have to do that? I mean, it's just kind of the way it is with me. I understood all of that stuff. You know, I, I knew what all, but I said, God, I, I want to be serious about this. I, I, I If you're calling me, I, don't, I let me do anything but preach, but I will never forget. All of a sudden, I found myself at midnight. On the midnight, I went at a Lexington clock in between the two rooms. And all of a sudden, it's like the Lord starts speaking to me. He said, who do you think you are? I created you. I formed you. I fashioned you. I'm the one that shapes you. I'm the one that gifted you. I'm the one that has things inside of you that you're not even aware of. You just need to get ready. You need to accept my call. And I start saying, but Lord, you just don't understand. I'm not good enough to do this, and I'm not talented enough, and I'm not educated enough, and I can't speak well enough, and, and no one even knows who a little boy from Kentucky is. And by the way, what is a Durwood anyway? So, and Lord, I'm just trying to say, what's going on with this? You know, I'm, and I'm talking through all of this, and all of a sudden, something rose up inside of me. All of a sudden, I started hearing the enemy trying to tear me down saying, you're not worth it, and you're not worthwhile, and there's no way you can get there. But something, then it started raising up inside of me. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. Oh, anything would try to destroy you cannot be destroyed. I am more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. If he is with you, then you don't have. And I started reading the word even more, and it grabbed a hold of inside of me, and a praise started swelling up saying, oh God, if you're the one that called me, you're the one that can equip me. God, if you're the one that set me free, you're the one that can get me to do what I need to do. Oh, it's the Lord that comes in and rescues you. I don't care where you've been or what you're doing. You are not beyond the call of God Almighty that loves you with an everlasting love and a praise wells up. Listen, he's worthy of praise in the morning. He's worthy of praise at noontime. He's worthy of praise at the midnight hour. He's worthy of praise when you've got cancer. He's worthy of praise when your family's being torn apart. He's worthy of praise when the job's not going where it ought to go. I'm just telling you, he's a God that we need to start lifting up and say he's the Lord that rescues his people. Hallelujah. I'll have to come back and preach part four next time. Because I know you want to eat. There's a risk to the people of God. The Lord rescues his people. But here's what I want you to grab hold of. The third point is this. The Lord is a rescuer. It's not just that the Lord rescues us, but it's the Lord who is our rescuer. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, our help is in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord who did what? Who made heaven and earth. It's interesting to me that we find in this scripture and elsewhere that the only one that can save the people of the Lord is the Lord himself. The rescue is built up in the name of the Lord. Two things we notice here. First of all, we notice the name that's being used. We know how the names are in the Bible. They were, you were, they were named like Jehovah Rapha. He's our, our healer. Boy, have I leaned on that one. Everything you have a need for, God has a name for. Whoo. Everything you need from the Lord. He says, don't worry about it. i got it taken care of. You need healing? Oh, yeah, just listen to me. I'm Jehovah Rapha, your healer. If you need someone to run unto when you need safety and you feel like you're being tackled, just go to Jehovah Nissi. He's the Lord, your banner. Oh, if you're not living right and you need righteousness, he's your Jehovah Sidkenu. He's the Lord, your righteousness. Oh, if you need peace in your life, don't worry about that. I've got it covered. I'm Jehovah Shalom. Oh, listen, I'm Jehovah Rohi. If you need someone to lead you and guide you, I'm the Lord, your shepherd. Everything you need, the Lord has a name for. What's interesting when we come to this passage of Scripture is that significant it's the name of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The name of the Lord, Lord in all caps. That is the covenant-making Lord. It is Almighty God, limitless in His power. You see, the name means everything. I was going into ministry. I was young. I called my granddad that next morning after I accepted the call to ministry. And my granddad was on his second retirement. <laughs> he, he, he died at 93 and a half and still wanted to pastor. He preached all over the world. And when he went back, when I went 20 years later, I went to Lee University or Lee College then. And, you know, I left my big 25,000-member college at University of Kentucky and went to 1,300 people at Lee. My high school was bigger than Lee was at the time. And I walked into this classroom, and Hollis Galls, who was our foremost theologian at the time, looked at me, and he said, Perkins, Perkins, are you related to T.A. Perkins? I said, yes, sir, it's my granddaddy. He said, great, one of the greatest preachers we've ever had at North Cleveland. He said he preached a message on the sovereignty of God I'll never forget and quoted me when my granddaddy said 20 years earlier, I cannot hand a can- hold a candle to my granddaddy's preaching. The only thing I wish, I wish I'd have written down what he said, because it had been a great message to preach somebody. I walked in, I called my granddaddy on that Saturday morning and I said, Granddad, I said, I have something to tell you. He said, Well, you finally accepted the call to ministry, didn't you? I said, What? He said, Son, I know you've been called for years. Well, why didn't you help me? He said, Because you got to know that the Lord is calling you. But he said these words to me He said, Son, I have nothing to give you. I'm, not a, I'm no longer an overseer. He's an overseer of two states, Oklahoma. In Kentucky, he said, I have nothing to give you. I'm an old man. I'm washed up and wiped out. He said, but all I can give you is my name. Perkins means something. Your dad has done well with the name Perkins. It's up to you with what you do with Perkins. Walk with character and integrity. I was in a club at, at Lee. One of the things, the foremost things that we say is you've got to walk in character, walk in integrity. Everything that your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. Everything with inside of you, you do it as unto the Lord. But in spite of how good my name is and how well I've tried to live my life these 61 years, I still fail people. I grew up when my word was my bond. And I didn't have to sign a contract. If I tell Dennis this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. If I can't, I'll tell you. My word is my bond, but even in spite of that, I can still fail people. But I serve the covenant-making Almighty God who does not fail. Oh, hallelujah. That when he says it is yes and amen, that means it's done and already start shouting. That he's the God that loves you with an everlasting love and says, listen, I'm the Lord, not just the Lord that rescues you, but the one that rescues you is me. It's according to my name that I have the power to back it up. what I love about that, when the enemy says, I'm coming against you, guess who created all of that anyway? God created it. So while the enemy may be stronger than you, they're not stronger than the God who created all things, who spoke the worlds into existence. So the same God that said, peace, be still, is the same God that can look at me and say, peace, be still in your life. Oh, yes, the struggles come and the trials come, but it's not based on Buddha. It's not based on Muhammad. It's based on the Lord God Almighty, the covenant-keeping, the Almighty God that cares for you and loves you. That never fails you. The second thing, though, is it's the Lord that comes to us that reminds us that there's no imitation to Him. So, as the people remembered on their way to Jerusalem, remember they're remembering their history. If I could just have someone just very quietly play on the piano or keyboard or CD. <laughs> These days you never know. Remember now, they're on the way to Jerusalem. And they're singing, if the waters, if it had not been for the Lord, they would have the enemy would have swallowed us alive. The old alligator would have come after us. Yeah. The waters, the swollen waters would have come and swollen up and sucked us out. That there's a snare that would have grabbed a hole if it had not been for the Lord, on my side. Now remember, they're singing this, but I think they have an idea where they go all the way back. To where Moses is reading the people, leading the people out of Egypt. Men, let my people go. No. Let my people go. No. You want to eat some frogs? Let my people go. You want your firstborn to die? Let my people go. Finally, Pharaoh says, Okay, I'm gonna let you go. While they're on their check and on their journey, Pharaoh gets an epiphany. Oh, wait. Who's gonna build the bricks? Who's going to build the houses? Who's going to clean the fields? Who's going to get us there? No, we're coming after you. Now get the picture of the children of Israel on their way to Jerusalem as they're thinking on their way. Oh, the swollen waters ahead of them is the water. Behind them is Pharaoh about to swallow them alive. The trap is the sand all the way around them. Oh, yes, Pharaoh behind them, ready to devour them. Pharaoh ready to destroy them. Water ahead of them, ready to drown them and get rid of their life. The snare all the way around them. Because, listen, you don't get swimming lessons when you live in the desert. Come on, somebody. How are you going to get across? And now we're about to die. They're about to be swallowed alive. They're complaining. And Moses is there. Now how are we going to get through? Oh, yes. Pharaoh's behind you, ready to swallow you up. And the flood water's ahead of you. And you're not going to make it through. And the snare's around you to entrap you in. But all of a sudden, we hear the story. Moses goes up. He lifts up the rod of God. And God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Now I can hear him on the way to Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. Oh, Moses led us through. Pharaoh thought he had us. But if it had not been for the Lord, we would have been killed. If it had not been, the waters would have swallowed. Us. If it had not been the snare it would have taken us up. But God Almighty brought us through. Hallelujah. Somebody's here on this homecoming day. That's where you are. I was praying about earth. Listen, I had a two hour drive up here, so other than my phone calls, we got storms going on, so I spent most of my time on the phone trying to get trucks to different places where we can start helping Mississippi. have a word in right now season for startable. And Lord, you know who's coming and who needs what in their life. Lord, please don't let it fall on deaf ears. And There's some folks in here this morning, listen, I, I, I'm not one of these preachers that ask you what's going on in your life. That's between you and God. I don't have to know. When I lay hands on people and pray for people, I don't ask you anything. God God knew who you'd be, who'd be here for. I don't ask you this. It's between you and to share with your pastor or me later, that's a different story. That's on you, not me. I said, Lord, what's happening? Some of you are here, there's a risk going on. Some of you are going through some of those temptation areas. Someone in this place, you're at the place where you feel like you have literally been swallowed alive and you just can't seem to get out. You're trying, but you just can't break loose. As somebody else is in here, the water just did in your life what the devil tried to do with my family and take us out. Listen, those, those 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 four or five months were not fun. Then right after that, I get the cancer diagnosis. Some of you are at the place where you're saying, "Lord, I need you to show up. I need you to show up today." Preaching one. Churches, I pastored, and we had a lady come in. She'd been, se- se- I don't even know why I'm telling this story, it just hit me. She se- severely had issues with depression. Horrible. Remember watching Peanuts and you see Pig Pen and the dark cloud would follow Pig wherever he we went? That was this lady, but it's a dark cloud of depression over her. Suicidal tendencies, and we didn't know all the stuff going on in her life until she finally revealed it to me and my wife. And i never forget one sa- I don't. One Sunday morning, we were preaching and getting ready for the altar service, and it's kind of like this—just got real quiet. And these, these words hit me: "The joy wagon, the joy wagon's about to turn over." I'd never heard those words in my life. The joy wagon was the world. As a kid, we used to sing, it, "The joy of the Lord is my strength." I remember singing that song? Never heard that. The joy wagon, the joy wagon—I don't, I don't understand it. And the Holy Spirit kept prompting me. The joy wagon is about to turn over. The joy wagon is about to turn over. And I kept saying, Lord, I don't, I'm don't, i not following. Listen to me, son. Say these words. The joy wagon is about to turn over in your life. The lady got up, was a big fan church, and she was sitting over on this right side. And I hear, oh, oh. I looked over, she jumped up from where she was. She'd come running to the altar. She said, Pastor, you don't understand. When I was a kid, we would go through life and I'd hear my daddy start singing the joy of the Lord's your strength. Said. She said, just yesterday, because we were on wagons working through loading. She was in, lived on the farm and he would start saying the joy of the Lord starts singing. And she said, I had a picture of all of a sudden daddy working hay. And working hand, he would fall over and say, this is, the, this is the blessings for the cattle. This is the blessings for the cattle. It comes out of the wagon. The wagon will turn over and the blessings will come. She so said, just yesterday, the thought came to me, Lord, I just need blessings of the Lord to follow me. Lord, please let your joy wagon fall on me. She came to that altar. We started, had some people coming around and we had a Holy Ghost breakthrough. I laid my hands on her. I lay hands on people. I'll put like three or four fingers on your forehead. If you fall out, it's either a courtesy drop or the Holy Ghost. I'm not pushing anybody down. I laid my fore, my fingers on her forehead and I said, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And let the joy wagon turn over. And all of a sudden, she went from, oh, to laughing like I had never heard before. She was belly laughing. And it was contagious. It started hitting our church. And people got it from the and started running to the altar to be saved all cause. the joy wagon turned off in some over somebody's life and they said if she got it and that we listened everybody when, when, when you got messed in your life everybody knows you got mess. They knew what she was going through. They said if she can be set free, I'm set free. Would you stand with me? Lord, I've come here today to honor you and to obey you, to let your voice speak through me. Lord, in this message today, you've taken me in places I've not been before. Shared stories I've not shared before. The reason is because your people are here and they need a touch. Satan, I rebuke you. I rebuke every hindering force that you would try to keep people from taking a step forward and receiving from you what they need every hold of the enemy off of minds and off of hearts today. It may be them that needs the joy wagon to turn over in their life. It may mean that they just need the the bridge over troubled waters to show up. It may mean, Lord, that the Lord God Almighty needs to come to them and dry up their tears. Lord, you've kept every tear that they've ever cried in the bottles, what Psalm tells us. Lord, you know every pain and every heartache and every ache. And it may just be that today they need the Lord God Almighty, the covenant-keeping Lord, whose name is His bond, to speak to them, the God that never fails, to set them free. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at C-O-G. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at startvillecog.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.